Uh, my name's Steven, and yeah, we're new. Uh, my wife, two boys, we are new here. We've been here for all of like 30 seconds. So if you're new, we're new. We'll be new together awkwardly. Uh, if you have been here for a while, uh, Bear with me as you tell me your name 14 times because you only have to learn four names. I got to learn like 400 of y'all's names and it's drinking from a fire hose. So thanks for bearing with me. Uh, We come here by way of Arizona and I'm telling y'all, the grass, the trees, the rain, the fall. I grew up in Northern California. My family uh, originally from Seattle area. So this is very nostalgic for me, but oh man, it's amazing to be here, guys. (laughs) Uh, here's the deal. I'm confident that, you know the old Oregon license plates that say Pacific Wonderland? Whoever designed that and said that, that guy definitely did some time in Arizona. Let me tell you. Because uh, I'm sitting here in like a Fred Meyer parking lot looking at a tree just saying, look at this. This is amazing. And uh, we're, we're walking with my, with my son uh, through Noble Woods Park and he just says, hey, uh, we don't live in Arizona anymore, Dad. Like, no, we, we don't. And he's like, that's good. It was too hot there. Uh, yeah, here's wisdom. Because uh, here's the deal with Arizona. Because you might be thinking, Stephen, that's a little dramatic, you know, maybe. Uh, but here's the deal. Everything in Arizona is trying to kill you at all times. The trees, the plants, it's not just cactus. They're with thorns and barbs and spikes. The trees, they have thorns and spikes on them. You send your kid up into play in a tree, he's going to look like Swiss cheese by the time he's done. And, uh, the, the animals are all scorpions and spiders and snakes. They all want to kill you. They all got venom. They want to murder you. Uh, you might be thinking, Stephen, come on, you got the sun. <laughs> the sun is your greatest enemy of all. <laughs> you know that heat wave you all had? And that was a real deal this summer. That was the real deal. Imagine that over and over and over and over again until you know nothing but that. And you might be saying, okay, you know, there's a couple days where it doesn't rain or where it doesn't have sun and it rains. Yeah, it's a flash flood and then the rain wants to kill you. So it's, it's, it's just amazing I'm standing here right now alive. Uh, it's the grace of God. Uh, but seriously, it's, it's been so good to be here. Uh, the, the, the landscape's amazing, but you know what's been even better is y'all have been so warm and kind and loving and generous with me and my family. Uh, thank you for just being so sweet and good to us. I uh, just want to say thank you um, for the hospitality. Let me pray, because uh, my jokes are okay, but Jesus is amazing. So let's, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll get in together. So Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us. You are King, you are Lord. I pray that a, a personality is not what we remember from today, but I pray that we remember you Uh, Jesus, the person. I pray that your word, uh, we thank you that it's alive and active. Would you speak through it right now, Lord? We have a reason to gather. You are good. Bless this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you're you're online as well, I just want to say thank you. I want to say welcome. Excited to meet you. And uh, let's dive in together. I I, I hope you guys, we're around tables here, which, by the way, actually, can we thank the crew that put all this together? Uh, that's, That's great. We got... Got a, got a big team that made this happen, came in yesterday and did it. Y'all are amazing. I, I hope y'all had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you had a really sweet Thanksgiving. I pray that you was around a big table with family maybe you hadn't seen in a while where you were reunited. I pray that you're able to eat good food and make good memories and reminisce about good times and you're able to reflect and you're able to feast and you're able to rest. I pray that you're able to thank God and you're able to praise him and rejoice. 
I pray it was nothing but that. And what if I told you that this sweet Thanksgiving picture is what the whole Bible is leading towards? The whole biblical story leads to a family feasting in fellowship around a table. We as the church are called to be a preview of this table. And Jesus' mission is to get you seated at the table. Repeat that. The whole biblical story leads to a family feasting and fellowship around a table. We as the church are called to be a preview of this table. And Jesus' mission is to get you seated at the table. And you might be sitting here thinking, Stephen, that that sounds nice. Uh, Cute idea with the tables, dude. Like, nice touch. Uh, But new guy. Come on. Does the Bible really describe salvation, eternal life, the kingdom as a feast around a table? Well, cynical Sam, uh, yes, it does. I'm glad you asked. Uh, so here's, I'll just look at a little survey of a few passages here that describe this. So uh, the Old Testament paints a vivid picture of this. Isaiah 25. Isaiah was somebody before Jesus. He was a prophet. His job was to speak to the people what God said. And this in Isaiah 25 uh, is a famous part of scripture as God was saying, this is what I'm going to do at the end of history. This is where all of history is leading towards. So Isaiah 25, six through nine, the prophet says, on this mountain, and the mountain is Mount Zion, which is the place of final uh, day restoration and salvation. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that's the burial cloth that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away all the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. See, Isaiah is describing a final day of salvation and eternal life where every tear is gonna be wiped away. Death will be no more. And God will gather a people in his kingdom to rejoice at a great feast. Jesus, in Matthew 22, and really through all out the Gospels, says the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet or a wedding feast. In Matthew 8, 11, up on the screen, Jesus says, I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. See, the kingdom of heaven, salvation and eternal life, they're all synonymous terms in the Bible. They're all described as a feast. And, and one more, uh, Old Testament, we got Jesus. And really where, uh, towards the end of the scriptures, one of the last passages, Revelation 19. At the end of scriptures, we find a gathering. But it is not the wedding meeting of the Lamb. It is not the wedding theological council of the Lamb. It's not even the wedding sermon of the Lamb. Don't say amen to that one right now. Uh, it is the wedding feast of the Lamb. So again, the big idea is the whole biblical story leads to a family feasting and fellowship around a table. We as the church are called to be a preview of this table, and Jesus' mission is to get you seated at the table. So church, let's dig in. We're going to look at three tables that our Thanksgiving table was an echo of, and they are the final table, the preview table, 
and the true Thanksgiving table. Let's get after it. Number one, the final table. Church, the last couple months, we've been in the Emerging Brighter series, looking at the books of Ezra, Nehemiah. Uh, it's been fantastic what it looks like to emerge brighter out of this season. Next week, we head into our, our Christmas series, Joy to the World. And what's cool about this is if we made a timeline of the Bible, uh, the Old Testament really ends with Ezra and Nehemiah. It's virtually the end. And then the beginning of the New Testament is the birth of Jesus, Christmas season. So what's really cool is we're just walking through the story in this season here. And what I want to focus in on, though, now today, now that we've got a little bit of framework for the story, is I want to focus on the end of the story that Ezra, Nehemiah, the birth of Jesus, Christmas, what it all points to, what all of Scripture points to, the feast to come. Because church, when you know the end of the story, it changes how you live in the present. When you know the end of the story, it changes how you view present circumstances. What do I mean? No one watches sports reruns anxiously. Right? If you lose, you don't even bother watching it again, right? Just scrap it over and never watch that again. But if your team wins and you go back and watch that game because it was an amazing game, you don't watch it anxiously. No matter how bad things get, you know, the interceptions that were thrown, the fumbles that happened, the down by double digits in the fourth quarter, looks like all hope has been lost. But if you know what happens in the end is your team wins, if you know victory is promised ahead, well then, no matter what happens, it's not going to get you down. You're not going to be overwhelmed. You're not going to be afraid. You're not going to be anxious. You're not going to become unhinged because you know what's ahead. In church, we know what's coming. We know what the end is. Jesus is alive. He has defeated sin, Satan, and death, and he is coming again to make all things new. What's ahead is a world where we are reconciled to God and our faith will be made sight and we're going to see God and we're going to be with him as we just sang forevermore. We're going to be restored and there's going to be no more shame or guilt or addiction or depression or anxiety. We're going to be reconciled to one another and families are going to be reunited and they're going to be a unified people where there's no more strife or war or poverty or injustice and we're going to live in a renewed world where there are no more disasters or pandemics and all the effects of evil and sin and death will be no more and that's good news amen, amen. yes this is a family gathering i'm going to talk to you and i like that you're talking back to me this is this is a hospitable crew here at the 11 i like it that's good this is what's ahead this is what is ahead. And this, this context of reconciled to God and to one another in a renewed world, this is where the feast is happening in the kingdom of God. And I, I want to read it. I, I, I love what, uh, what Taylor and Jose were teaching about uh, last week when they said, let's be a people that opens the book. Give us the book. Let's hear, what, let's hear what the Bible describes this as. Revelation 21, let's read it together. One through five. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, 
I am making everything new. We long to live in a world of peace and life and justice and harmony and flourishing and rest. We long to be at a feast with, as Isaiah said, the best food and the best drink gathered as one as the family of God. And these longings, church, are promised to come. See, our Thanksgiving feast is a foretaste of this coming final feast. I'll repeat that. Our Thanksgiving feast is a foretaste of this coming final feast. One day we're going to meet the eternal king. One day we're going to step into endless and infinite joy and we are going to be at rest. I feel, I want to say this is real. This is real, church. We're really going to live and we're really going to feast and we're really going to work in the kingdom of God. This is not merely some hypothetical, spiritual feast. This restoration, this kingdom, this feast, it's not abstract apple pie. It is not conceptual carne asada. It is not spiritual steak fillets. And it's not mythical merlots. This is a, a feast where there ain't no folding chairs or TV trays gathered around the table. There isn't boxed wine and there isn't craft mac and cheese at this table. And all the parents said, amen, hallelujah, let it be so. There's some more parents in this gathering than the last one. I think they got it a little better. I'm a parent. I'm saying amen. This is real. We're going to really live and really feast and really work in the kingdom of God. But why reflect on this? When we know the future, it changes how we live in the present. When we know that death and evil and sin do not have the last word, which they do not, we live differently. When we know what's ahead, we can live in a way empowered by the spirit that's really salt and light, that's really non-anxious and at peace, that's embodying a vibrant faith, hope, and love according to the way of Jesus. And your table on Thanksgiving, the table to come at Christmas Eve and Christmas, your community group table, or even a family table is a small reminder of this coming final day feast of restoration. And to our second point, all these tables are a small reminder that we as the people of God are called to live as a preview of this coming kingdom. So one, the final table, and two, the preview table. I don't know about you, I love Thanksgiving. <laughs> I love it. Having sick kids, I was just like, oh, come on, really? Like, you're going to do this to me on this day? Because I love the food. I love the football. I love the big table. I love the decorations. I love making memories with the family. I love all of it. And we love this. But here's the thing. If we didn't experience this, we long for it and we lament that it didn't happen. And I know for some of us, this past Thursday was really hard. I actually talked to some of y'all last Sunday and uh, you said going into this, this is, this is going to be hard. Please pray for me. This is uh, going to be a really challenging uh, holiday and weekend. I know that from some of us, this is our story. And I want to say one of the sweetest and most radical things about the gospel and the Christian faith is that the church is not like a family. It is a family. And if you're feeling alone, reach out. 
Uh, we would love to talk to you. Come find me or one of the staff members after the gathering. We would love to come alongside you. Jose gave the clear directions. We got the get connected table and prayer back there. We want to come around you. If things are broken and you need help, please come back. We want to pray for you because we are as a family. And as a family, we want to come around you and love you. As the church, we are children of God. Brothers and sisters bought by the blood of Jesus to be the family of God. And again, this is not my idea. This isn't the staff's idea. This is what the scriptures say. Look with me, Ephesians 2, verses 19 through 20. You, church, are no longer strangers and aliens. This is a guy named Paul writing this to a church in a place called Ephesus. Uh, real people at a real time in a real place. And he tells them, you're no longer strangers and aliens as the church. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, members of the family of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, being the center of it all. I just want to ask, what makes a family? It's relationship to a name, whether that's biologically or you married into or were adopted or just had a connection. And, and what makes the family of God is the same is that we all have connection to a name, but this name is the name above every name. This name is the name that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord of all and his name is Jesus. And I'm just going to say it because I'm a preacher and I got a microphone and this is our cultural moment and I feel burdened to say it, church. But what unites us is not a political party. What unites us are not COVID preferences. Seated at the head of the table is not an elephant. It is not a donkey. It is not a flag. It is not a duck. It is not a beaver. It is not a dollar sign. It is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen? The gospel is what's at the center of the table, and Jesus is who is seated at the head of it. And what makes this table called the church unique is that we, with all of our cultural backgrounds, we, with all of our political preferences, that we, with all of our differences and our lives and our stories, in spite of it all, in all of it, we are one in Jesus. See, Jesus gets the glory when the only thing that could unite someone like us in all of our diversity, the only thing that could unite all of us is him and his gospel. Jesus looks glorious when that happens. When it had to be the gospel that would bring us all together. There's no other reason for us to be together. There's no other reason for us to love one another, sacrifice for one another, and be one. Let us be the people that have the gospel at the center and Jesus at the head of the table. Oh, would we, that's what we're called to be, church. See, the whole biblical story leads to a family feasting and fellowship around a table. And we as the church are called to be a preview of this table. A preview, what is it? It's real content, let's say, of a movie, but it's not the whole film. You know, a foretaste is real food. It's just not the full meal. And this is what the church is called to be, a table of foretaste and preview. Let me try to explain this a little bit. Uh, the gospel, our Christian faith, is something theologians have spent a lot of pages trying to explain because it can be pretty nuanced here. But it's this idea of the gospel is already and not yet, which sounds like a contradiction. But the gospel in our faith, it is already and not yet. It is already. Jesus really came. 
He really died. He really rose again. He really poured out his spirit. Again, this is real. And if you believe in him, you are really alive and you are really saved and you're really forgiven. And the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and gives you new life and new power to live in a new way. But it's also not yet. That's what's already and not yet. Jesus is coming again to make all things new. We've talked about this. But that hasn't happened yet. People still die. Disease is still destructive. Abuse still tragically happens. Addiction still enslaves. And sin still destroys. See, we're called to be a people around the table that shows what it really means to be the family of God awaiting the final feast of God. I'll say that again. We are called to be a people around the table that shows what it means to be the family of God awaiting the final feast of God. We are called to be, we just did this. You, you're gonna, you don't have to dig deep in your memory bank. We're called to be the 2 p.m. Thanksgiving turkey taste. You know what I'm talking about? The turkey's done. Things are getting ready. The side's got to get warmed up right there. Uh, but you got that little taste of turkey that comes out. You know, make sure it's not you know, overcooked, nothing a little gravy can't fix. But hey, you, you, you be that, uh, that, that 2 p.m. Thanksgiving turkey. Now, it's not the whole feast. That'd be quite a letdown if all you get is a little taste, right? That's Thanksgiving. Congratulations. Uh, we are called to be that. It's a real taste, but it's not the whole thing yet. That's what we are called to be as the church. We're called to show real love, real transformational power, real compassion, real justice, and live in a real way that shows what God is really like and what it's really like to be in his family around the table. We're called to be a taste of the feast to come. But of course, we're never going to be a perfect preview. <laughs> We're all a people in process and in need of God's grace, desperately. But we want to live in a way that makes people long for the feast. We want to live in a way that's an accurate preview of the feast. And we want to live in a way that doesn't turn others away from it. We, we want to be the type of people that are a, a tasteful uh, 2 p.m. Thanksgiving taste. Not food poisoning, right? <laughs> we want to be a tasteful uh, 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 foretaste of what's to come. We're called to be a preview people making room and inviting our world to sit at the table, setting out welcome mats in word and deed to the coming feast. All of history is headed to a table feast. The church is called to be a preview of this table. And our final point, number three, Jesus' mission is to get you seated at the table. So number three, the true Thanksgiving table. There's something I want to be clear on here, and that's that this restoration this calling, this table, this feast, this hope, this joy, this life, this good news, this kingdom, this salvation, all of it, it's all possible because of a baby born in a manger. It is all possible because of Jesus. Jesus came so that you and I, we could have a seat at the ultimate Thanksgiving feast around our heavenly Father's table. See, Jesus, again, he came so you and I could have a seat at the ultimate Thanksgiving feast around the Heavenly Father's table. We're about to celebrate Christmas this season next week. Everything I've said this morning, I want to be crystal clear, is only possible because of Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. I want to ask us another question. When you think of salvation or heaven or the kingdom of God, what comes to mind? Just think for a second. 
Don't give me the church answer that you feel like I probably should say this. But really, like, just take a second right now. I'm gonna, when I say the word heaven, what comes to mind? What image? Boom. Just think to yourself, what came to mind? When I say kingdom of God, what image just came to mind? When I say salvation, what image came to mind? See, I want us to have an accurate picture of this. I want us to think and have my mind and our minds shaped by the Bible, right? And so if the, if the image that came to mind for you and I was, you know, chubby angel babies in diapers playing harps on clouds, we got that image from somewhere, but it ain't the Bible. Uh, it's uh, maybe from like a Precious Moments catalog. And I'm saying as a, as a guy who likes the NFL and rock and roll, it doesn't sound very precious to me. I don't know. Uh, if, you, if the image that came to mind was an endless church service of like an eternity of sermons and church announcements that drone on forever, I, that, Lord have mercy, please, no. Uh, that, that's also not how Jesus describes uh, what's going on. Author Jay Metter says this is great. He says, heaven is eternal worship, but it's not an eternal worship service. Jesus gives an image about what salvation is, what his story is all about. Jesus says what his kingdom is like. And he says, it's a party. Jesus says, it's a party. See, salvation is not an invitation to a theological classroom. It's not an invitation to a moral country club. It is an invitation to a feast and to a party. See, Jesus brings life. And this is good news to be celebrated, amen? This is good news. And, and the way Jesus describes it, I think it's just so beautiful. Uh, there's a, a famous parable that Jesus gives about the prodigal son. And the son, uh, who represents us, he, uh, he is, basically says to his dad, uh, who represents God, you are as good as dead to me. I want your stuff, but I don't care about you. And I'm going to go do what I want to do. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to be in my own charge. Like, you don't get to define what's, what's life. You don't get to speak over me. I'm going to do my own thing. And he goes and he takes the money and he goes and spends it all on reckless living and rebellion. And the son finds himself in poverty, literally starving in a pig's feeding trough. And he comes to himself and says, what am I doing starving to death out here? I'll go back to my father's house and I'll be a slave. At least I won't starve to death there. And so as he returns, his father who's been waiting for him this whole time sees him off in the distance and runs to him and embraces him. And in that, I uh, want to read how Jesus describes this in Luke 15. In that context, Luke 15, verse 22. But the father, who represents God, again, said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost and is now found. So the party began. Salvation is a party. That's what a feast is. That's what a feast is. And Jesus' mission is to get you around the table. And so what I want to do today is invite you, if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, to receive the invitation to the feast. Would you turn like that son and surrender and return back to the Father?
Jesus is not asking you to get cleaned up first. In this story, the son can't even finish his apology. The father just wants him home. God just wants you home. He has a ring for your finger. He has a robe for your back. He's got a party to throw you. He has an identity to give you. He's got forgiveness to lavish upon you. He's got a family to welcome you into. Jesus is inviting you to surrender to him, the author of life. And if you're already a Christian, if you've already surrendered your life to Jesus, brother and sister, I want to invite you to remember the joy of your salvation. I invite you to remember that God rejoices over you. He loves you. He has called you. You are his sons and daughters. You have a seat at the table. Let us not forget, church, who we are, whose we are, and where all of life is headed. And remember what's to come. Church, this, uh, this final point is titled The True Thanksgiving Table. So what is the true Thanksgiving table? It's the communion table. The historic name for communion is the Lord's Supper. And, and the historic name for these realities of communion and the Lord's Supper is the Eucharist. And if that name doesn't mean anything to you, that's, that's okay. But what does Eucharist literally mean? It means thanksgiving. The communion table literally means thanksgiving. And it's at this communion table, this true thanksgiving table that we come to every week to remember and respond to the good news of Jesus. We come here every Sunday, we gather to remember who God is, what God has done for us. We come to remember who we are and how we are to respond to this good news. And I feel burdened to tell us to remember that this communion table is a symbol to remind us that Jesus wins. Jesus wins. Satan, sin, and evil win nothing. This communion table, this meal, it's the champagne of the Super Bowl champion. It is the guarantee. The empty tomb is a guarantee that Jesus has won. And if you are in Christ, you are victorious with him. And we got to come here to remember this story because everything else is telling us something contrary. But we come here to remember what is true. And what is true is Jesus is alive, Jesus wins, and we are alive with him and we are victorious in him. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the very penalty, power, and presence of sin have been utterly defeated and dealt with. In Jesus, the penalty of sin has been canceled. You are forgiven and you are clean. In Jesus, the power of sin has been overthrown because Jesus is stronger than sin and death. You can live in a new way, empowered by the Spirit that leads to true freedom. And Jesus, in him, the presence of sin will one day be fully eradicated. One day Jesus is going to come again. And he's going to finally undo the presence of sin and make all things new for Jesus is Lord of all. To close church, the final table is restoration. The preview table is the church. And the true thanksgiving table is the Lord's Supper. The blood and body of Jesus that make it all possible. Let's remember the story, for it's the true story of the world. Let's remember our destiny. Let's remember Jesus' victory, church. Let's live in alignment with it. 
Let's be an accurate preview of it. And let's invite others to be a part of it. Let's collectively as the family of God, we're gonna respond. There's gonna be uh, prayer back here again. We'd want you to get uh, prayer. We're gonna respond together. Uh, I'm gonna pray. We're gonna take communion together in a unique way. So if you have the elements, prepare those now. And we're gonna respond in worship to our King who's at the head of the table. Because again, what unites us, church, the gospel's at the center of the table and Jesus is at the head. Let me pray and we'll take communion together. Jesus, We thank you that you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. We thank you that you have dealt with sin. Thank you that the penalty has been canceled. Thank you that the power has been overthrown. We thank you that the presence will be eradicated and one day we will sit with you at a feast in joy forever. Thank you, Jesus, for making it all possible. Jesus, help us to go from this place empowered by your spirit to be an accurate preview of this reality. Jesus, we love you. We need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. With the communion table, church, being the true Thanksgiving table, we want to do something a little different this morning. So we're going to take a couple minutes now. If you need to sit in silence and just reflect on what was said, please do that. Don't feel pressured to do anything right now. But I want to say uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving and, and all that this weekend is, I want to invite you now just to take two to three minutes around your table and just say something that you are thankful to Jesus for who he is, what he's done. Uh, Just take one sentence. If if I was at your table, I would say just something, again, I'm thankful that Jesus has done. I'm excited to share it one day with with each of you, but our family being here is a God story. And it's his loving kindness that has brought us here. And we're really thankful for what Jesus has done. We're really thankful to be here. And I just want, I'm thankful to God for this. And I'm curious for you, as you talk around the tables, what are you thankful for? Just take two to three minutes. I'll bring us back and then we'll all take communion together. So let's just take two to three minutes now and say what we're thankful for.